Okay, so we're up to Daf Yudcha Samaralif, we're up to Masiv Ravhuna, which is about eight lines into the page. Just to review what we're talking about. What we're talking about is like this. There's a Machloikas Tanoyim, but we're focusing on Amaroyim, whether there's a concept of called Zika. What that means is like this. Everyone agree, not everybody. The majority of opinions hold that when a woman is supposed to do Yibam, that time period, you, you definitely are supposed to do the mitzvah. To do something that would um, prevent you from doing the mitzvah is a problem. That, that's almost universally accepted, except according to Rav Gamliel, as we see. Fine. The question is, is there more than that? Are you bound to her in any other ways? I Meaning, you're definitely bound to her that you should do the mitzvah. Doing something that would prevent you from doing the mitzvah is, is definitely not a good idea. Like, you decide instead of marrying her, you're going to marry her mother. That's not a good idea because it's preventing you from doing the mitzvah. The question is, is there something more than that? Zika means that you're quasi-married already. That you're quasi-engaged, kemat, in halacha. So we had a machloikas between Rav Yehuda and Rav, which is interesting because Rav Yehuda was a Talmud of Rav. So we're going to see that Rav Yehuda obviously was makabal, this, his shita, he didn't want to disagree with his Rebbe, so he was obviously makabal his shita from, from his other Rebbe, Shmuel. The point is, there's a machloikas, Rav Yehuda and Rav, and that is whether there's a thing called Zika. How does it manifest itself? It manifests itself is that you're about to do even with a woman, um, and then she dies. Could you marry her mother? If there's a thing called Zika, that means you're already kind of married to her. If you're already married to her, then she's your mother-in-law. If you hold there's no Zika, then you have no relationship with this woman. The second she dies, you can marry the mother. That was the machlekes we had yesterday. Again, whether there's Zika or not. So the Gemara brings a Raya. Ma'asir Ravuna Barchiya. The Mishnah said like this. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah was describing right? which means that you have a woman who, uh, you have Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Uh, Levi and Reuven were not alive at the same time. Reuven dies. Reuven's widow does Yibam with Shimon, and then Shimon dies. Levi does not marry Reuven's widow because Reuven and Levi were not alive at the same time. That's called And not only does Reuven's widow not do Yibam, she exempts her co-wife. Then the Mishnah said like this. What if instead of Reuben, Shimon doing Yibam, Shimon just did Mimer, he just did Kedushin. And then Shimon died. So you still don't do Yibam on Reuben's widow because she, again, Reuben and Levi were never alive at the same time. The question is, does she exempt the co-wife? So the Mishnah said no. Why? Because she wasn't really a co-wife. She was only rabbinically married to Shimon. She was never fully married to Shimon. So because she's not fully married to Shimon, she's not considered a full co-wife of, of Shimon's wife to exempt Shimon's wife from Yibam. Because it was only Kedushin. Here's the riot. Why do you need Kedushin? What about Zika? Meaning, forget about Kedushin. Let's say you, you never Mekadish, right? What's the implication of the Mishnah? If you were never Mekadish, if you were never Mekadish, if, if Shimon was never Mekadish, so Reuven's widow, Reuven dies, uh, Reuven's widow is supposed to, to marry Shimon, to do Yibam with Shimon, and then Shimon dies. It would be universally accepted that Levi could do Yibam on Shimon's wife, not Reuven's widow, but the other woman, because Shimon never did Yibam. They never had a connection. She's not the co-wife of anything. The Misha says, if you did Kedushin, what do you need Kedushin for? There's a thing called Zika. Zika should equal Kedushin. Basically, the Mishnah speaks out a scenario where the halacha is changed because Shimon did Kedushin with this woman. What do you need that for? What about Zika? So let's seek inside. The Mishnah says also that if Shimon did Kedushin to Reuven's widow instead of Yibam, before he did Yibam, he did Kedushin. And then he dies before having the chance to do Yibam. So Reuven's widow, obviously, you don't do Yibam because that's Eshesach Shalei But 
Shimon's wife, you do chalitza. Why? Because she's not a full co-wife, because they only did Kedushin. The question is, The implication is that the only reason why you do Chalitza on Shimon's wife is because Shimon did, did Kedushin, but if there was no Kedushin, then Shimon's wife was never a co-wife in any form. With Reuven's widow, what do you need that for? If you hold that there's a thing called Zika, then what do you need Kedushin for? Stam, the second Reuven dies, Shimon is engaged to Reuven's widow. Mitzad Zika. So what do you need? Kedushin? Forget about Kedushin. Zika equals Kedushin. So why does the Mishnah have to say that there's Kedushin? Even without Kedushin, there's Zika. So it must be Zika doesn't exist. That's the Gemara's proof. So the Gemara says, no. The Gemara says... The answer is really Zika and Maimer are the same. Meaning, for Zika alone, it's considered as if Shimon was engaged to Reuven's widow. So why did the Mishnah have to speak out a case of Kedushin? Why do you need that? If Zika equals Kedushin, why is that necessary? The Chiddush of the Mishnah is not... Meaning, we assume the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that if you did Kedushin, then you're already quasi-engaged, so then, then Shimon's widow, you do Chalitza. The answer is you don't need that. Even without the Kedushin, Zika is enough to create Kedushin. So what do you need Kedushin for? Why does the Mishnah speak on Kedushin? The Chiddush is the opposite. Beshamay Shita is that when a person does Maimer, he does Kedushin, it's Ki'ilu, you lived with her. Full marriage. So according to Beshamay, if you did Maimer, then the then Reuven's widow and Shimon's wife are co-wives, full co-wives, to the point that Shimon's widow, Shimon's, uh, Reuven's widow would exempt Shimon's wife. Therefore, the reason, the Chiddush that you said Maimer is not to say that you need Maimer in order to create a connection. The connection was already created by Zika. The Chiddush is that Maimer is not a full connection. Maimer is only a half connection. Okay. But the point is, Zika and Maimer are the same, and even without Maimer, you would still have that connection due to Zika. That's the Gemara's assumption. Now the Gemara has another kasha. Okay, again, if his question is good, it's a tough sugya. It's not the easiest sugya in the world. But he has a couple times and it starts to sink in. Eisvi, Abaya, Abaya says, I have a question. It says in the, in the Mishnah later on, you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. This is, it's describing a case of Eishas uh, Achshalah So you have two, two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. And then Reuven dies. Now Shimon is supposed to do Yibam. And before Yibam, he's going to do Maimer. He wants to Mekadosh her. But instead of being Mekadosh her, before he has a chance, he gets hit by a car and he dies. So what's the halacha? So now you have Reuven's dead and Shimon's dead. All of a sudden, this third child, third brother is born, Levi. So what does Levi do? So Levi, is, Levi cannot do Yibam on Reuven's widow because Reuven and Levi were not alive at the same time. So it's Eishas Achshalei Ba'ilam. But he does Kedush, but he marries, he does Yibam to Shimon's widow. Why? Because he never did Maimer. Meaning, Shimon was never, had any relationship with Reuven's widow. Meaning, Reuven and Shimon are alive. Reuven dies. Before Shimon has a chance to do Yibam or to do anything with Reuven's widow, Shimon dies. Levi is born after Reuven dies. But nothing happened, nothing else happened. Correct. Yeah. So therefore, 
So Levi does not do Yibam on Reuben's widow because that's Eshes Hashlei Ba'ilam, but he does Yibam on Shimon's widow. Why? Because why? Why doesn't why why not why doesn't Reuben's widow exempt Shimon's widow? The answer is because Shimon never married Reuben's widow. They never had any connection. He never did Yibam. He never did Chalitza. He never did Maimer. So because there was zero connection. Reuven's widow is in one category, Shimon's widow is in another. So Levi does Yibam on Shimon's widow. Let me ask you a question. If you have Zika, then, 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 then shouldn't he be bound? Meaning, the premise of this Mishnah is that Shimon, Shimon's wife was never bound to Reuven's wife. Why? Because Shimon didn't do Yibam, he didn't do Chalitza, he didn't do Maimer. What about Zika? If Zika is a thing, they should be bound. The fact that Reuven dies, that should bind Shimon's wife with Reuven's wife. The very fact that the Mishnah is going to say that there's zero connection, zero binding, evidently there's a thing called no zika. So the Gemara says, let's see it inside. Shnei achim ba'olam, you have Reuven and Shimon. Umei and then Reuven dies. V'omad ha'sheni lasis, ma'imer, and Shimon wants to either do yibam, chalitza, ma'imer, he wants to do something. V'loi hispik lasis ba'maimer, ha'chenoi l'loi ach, but before he does anything, Levi's born, and then, meiser yishayin, meis, and then Shimon dies, meaning basically Shimon dies before having the opportunity to do anything. So what's the halacha? So now it all turns to Levi, this little baby, the little boy. So they let him get older. Then they turn to Levi and say, what are you going to do? So Levi cannot do anything with Reuven's wife because Reuven and Levi were not alive at the same time. But he does Yibam on Shimon's wife. I, why isn't Shimon's wife exempt due to her connection to Reuven? The answer is there is zero connection. Shimon never did Yibam on Reuven's wife. He never did Chalitza. He never did Maimer. Zero connection. Uh, what about Zika? I'm sorry? If, if there was zero connection, then would he not be allowed to marry her just because he wants to marry somebody? There's no connection between them. No, it's still his sister-in-law. No, meaning, meaning there's no, zero connection from the perspective of Reuben's wife and Shimon's wife being, being co-wives and Yibam. It's still his sister-in-law. He still would not be allowed to marry her forever. Okay. But... Because it's it's Yibam Shalom Makamitzvah. So the Gemara says, so Levi does Yibam on Shimon's wife. But if you're telling me there's a thing called Zika, there's a connection by Zika alone. So then wait a minute. So then, what, so then what, what's the deal? If, if there's a thing called Zika, then Shimon's wife should be exempt due to her connection to Reuven's wife. I, Reuven. Shimon never married Reuven's widow and never did Yibam, never did Maimer. What about Zika? So evidently, this Mishnah clearly holds there's no such thing as Zika. So you know what the answer is? You're right. The answer is, Hamani Rav Meir, he damer ain't Zika. The answer is, that Mishnah was authored by Rav Meir, who held there is no Zika. Meaning, it's not a Kasha, it's a Machlaikas Tanoim. Some say there's a thing called Zika, some say there's no Zika. What would be a normal case of Zika? What do you mean? Like, when do we have a Zika? Well, every time a woman is supposed to do yibum, the question is, is there a bond, a bond, a bond of zika or not? So it doesn't exist outside the context. No, 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 no. The question of whether there's zika or not is purely in a case where a woman is supposed to do yibum during that time period between her doing yibum. Is there any connection halachically? So we're saying this Mishnah holds. There's no zika. Okay, and that was authored by Rav Meir. So Rav Meir sheet there's no zika. Okay, here's the kasha. Does Ramey actually hold there's no Zika? See, this stuff is, it's not, it's like chunky. You just take it like line by line. Does Ramey actually hold there's a thing that, that there's no thing called Zika? That there's no connection? 
We've had this case a couple times, and that is like this. You have four brothers, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. Reuven and Shimon are married to two sisters. Terrible car accident, both are killed. So you have two brothers, right? Two brothers die. So the two sisters fall to the... So it should be pretty simple. Each one does Yibam. You've got two brothers, you've got two women. Do Yibam. What do we say? No. You don't do Yibam. Why? Because each brother is engaged to both. That's Zika. And this is a Stam Mishnah. Stam Mishnah Rameyer. So how could you tell me Rameyer holds there's no thing called Zika? The whole reason why you don't do Yibam in this case is because of Zika. Why else would you not do Yibam? you got two brothers, you got two women. Let each one do Yibam. If there was no Zika, you could just pick Yeah, each one, right? If there's, no, if there's no Zika, let each one just pick one. You know, Levi will say, I'll pick Rachel. Uh, Yehuda says, I'll pick Galea. Okay, fine, go. So why is it that they don't do Yibam? It must be because there's a thing called Zika, which means each brother is bound to both. And because you're engaged to both, you sort of stuck. You can't marry each one because it's like you're marrying your, your wife's sister. So it must be a Zika issue. So, okay, so this is a Zika issue. Who authored this? Rameir. So how could you tell me Rameir holds this no thing called Zika? Rameir is evidently saying there is a thing called Zika. So it's a contradiction or Rameir. So the Gemara says, And if you hold that Rameir holds this no Zika, These are two men. Each one should pick a woman. So why is there no Yibam in this case? It must be because of Zika. So the Gemara says, no. Lo'ilam ain't Zika. So the Gemara says, no. Really, Rameir holds, just let's talk this out. Really, Rameir holds there's no Zika. So why, how come the two brothers can't marry two sisters? The answer is, while Rameir holds there's no Zika, which means they're not bound halachically, you still can't do something that would prevent you from doing the mitzvah of Yibam. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a woman who you're supposed to do Yibam with. Let's say you hold there's no Zika, so you're not engaged to her. Could you marry her mother? No, because the second you marry her mother, it renders you unable to do Yibam. So it's not a Zika issue, it's called a Bittel Mitzvah Aseh. Meaning, even if you hold, according to this opinion, even if... Huh? So if I marry one of those, you're the code... No, no, I'll explain why. No, 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 I'll explain why. The reason why, so okay, so the answer is even if you hold there's no thing called Zika, you still have to ensure your ability to do the mitzvah. Therefore, in our case, the reason why when you have these two sisters falling to the two brothers, the reason why we advise chalitza is not because of Zika. It's not because, oh, I'm engaged to two women. It's nothing to do with that. It's very simple. What if one brother does Yibam and then the other brother dies? So now he can't do Yibam or chalitza with the second sister because. It's, it's, his, it's his wife's sister. Meaning, the reason why we advise Chalitza is because if you do Yibam, it's a risk. It's a, it's a practical risk. It has nothing to do with Zika. One brother does Yibam, great. The other brother, on his way to do Yibam, gets in a car accident and dies. They've already had pretty terrible luck, this family, right? The other brother gets in a car accident and dies. This woman now is exempt from Yibam and Chalitza because she's the wife's sister. You understand? I mean, the reason why we advise chalitza is just because it's a, it's a better idea. Do chalitza to this one, then do chalitza to that one, because the same brother can do chalitza to both. But one brother cannot do yibam to both. You can't do yibam to both sisters, right? But you can do chalitza to both sisters. There's no, there's no prohibition of doing chalitza to both sisters. So the, the reason why we advise against yibam is because if one brother does yibam to one sister and then the other brother dies, then she's exempt from everything. You sort of ruined your ability to do the mitzvah. Huh? 
So that, that's why. I Meaning, so the answer is that it has nothing to do with Zika or not. The reason why we advise Chalitza is because we don't, even if you hold there's no Zika, we don't want you to put yourself in a situation where you can't do the mitzvah. And if you choose to do even to one of them, and then the other brother dies, then that other woman is exempt from everything, and she loses that on any mitzvah. So do Chalitza, because that way you could do Chalitza to both. No, the assumption is that you could do Chalitza to two sisters. There's no issue of, you can't marry two sisters, but you could do Chalitza. It's in Machlekes Tanoim, but Taisus points out that Rav Kiva's not a fan of this. But, but let's assume that you could actually do Chalitza to both sisters. So it's just smarter to do Chalitza to both sisters. The answer is, it has nothing to do with Zika. It's just, we want you to do the mitzvah with both, both women. If you do Yivam, it's a risk. What if, God forbids, the brother dies, then, then, then she's out. So it's just, it's not a bad idea. I mean, the answer is, even if you hold like Remeir, that there's no Zika, you still have to ensure your ability to do the mitzvah. Now, the Gemara is going to point out like this. The Gemara is going to point out that Rev Gamliel holds no Zika, and he actually holds, you don't have to ensure your ability to do the mitzvah. So like, you're telling me that Rev Meir holds no Zika, but even if there's no Zika, you still have to make sure that you're able to do the mitzvah. Rav Gamliel holds no Zika, and he holds that you don't have to be able to do the mitzvah. Like, you can marry the mother, you can marry the... I mean, according to Rav, here's a Shiloh. If you hold, there's no Zika, and a woman's about to do Yibam, could you marry her mother? So we're saying no, because even if you hold there's no Zika, you still have to make sure you're able to do the mitzvah. But you marrying her the mother, you can't, you can't do Yibam anymore. The, the problem the Gemara is going to point out, I'll just say this outside, and we'll see it inside, is that Rav Gamliel holds no Zika, and you actually can marry the mother. I mean, Rav Gamliel doesn't care. Rav Gamliel holds, if there's no Zika, that means there's no connection. It, it, she maybe may not allow, be allowed to marry someone else, but you don't have to be worried about that. Like, if you, if you love her mother, then marry your mother. I, the rabbi will say, by you marrying the mother, you can't do a mitzvah. He says, there's no zika. What do I care? He holds that that's not your responsibility. It's not my, it's not my, it's not my job to be worried about that. It's her job to either, meaning, he looks at it as, she's bound. She cannot marry someone else. It's like a woman who's like an aguna. She can't marry someone else unless she gets yibam or chalitza. That's her problem. I, I as the brother, should, that's not my, I don't care. Rav Gamliel looks at it as, if you hold this no zika, nothing. I can do whatever I want. She's the one who's stuck. She's got to do yibam or chalitza. And if my actions prevent her from doing this, okay, that's not my problem. Okay, if she's exempt, meaning if I marry her mother, then she's exempt. Okay, shine, so... Not my problem. That's what Gamliel's takes. So the Gemara is going to point out that it's a little strange that Rav Meir holds there's no Zika, but you still have to worry about the mitzvah. Rav Gamliel holds there's no Zika, and you don't have to. So the Gemara is going to say, you're right. Rav Meir and Rav Gamliel don't agree in that regard. The, the Gemara is going to point this out, that Rav Meir and Rav Gamliel argue in a specific Nakuda, which is if you hold no Zika, do you have to worry about the ability to do the mitzvah? Rav Meir is saying yes, and Rav Gamliel is saying no. And the Gemara is going to say, you're right. It's a machlokas, Rav Meir and Rav Gamliel. So let's see the sort of mayor of Gamliel inside. The Gemara says, V'ein zika tivatel. But if you hold there's no zika, then what are you worried about the mitzvah for? Rav Gamliel holds there's no zika, and you're allowed to you're allowed to do something even if it prevents you from doing the mitzvah. The Tanan, Rav Gamliel The case was, you have um, two brothers are married to two sisters, right? One brother is married to an 11-year-old, so it's a rabbinic marriage. The other brother is married to an adult, and the other brother dies. So the question is, what do you do about Yibam or Chalitza? Because she's your wife's sister, so you say, no Yibam, no Chalitza. But your marriage is only rabbinic, right? So one opinion, Rebbe Eliezer's opinion was, in that Mishnah later on, in Ayin Tess, 
Ravelez's opinion is that we advise the brother who's living, who's married to the 11-year-old, do mion, undo your marriage, then do yibum. Rav Gamliel says no. Wait till she gets older, and then if you live with her, get married, whatever. Get married. I mean, wait till she gets older and live with her. Make it a biblical marriage. I, by doing so, you render your inability to do yibum, right? Because by you, again, you're married to the, the wife's sister, but she's 11 years old, so it's only a rabbinic marriage. A year later when she's bas mitzvah and you live with her, it's now a biblical marriage, rendering your inability to do yibum or chalitza, because now it's your wife's sister. So Rav Gamliel says so. There's no zika, what do I care? So you see that Rav Gamliel holds, Rav Gamliel says in me and me, listen, you have a choice. You want to undo your marriage and marry her? Fine. You want to wait till she gets older and, mar- and, and stay married to, this, to your wife, rendering her sister exempt from Yiba Merchalitza? You're prerogative. Don't care. Do whatever you want. So the Gemara says, um, So you see that Rav Gamliel holds, if there's no Zika, there's no requirement to be worried about doing a mitzvah. So why should Rav Meir, who holds his nozika, be worried? So the answer is, they could argue with each other. Meaning, meaning Rav Gamliel and Rav Meir don't agree in that regard. So, Haki Kamri, the Gemara says, no, our point is, Rav Meir Chayesh, Afil Sveika, Rav Gamliel, Afil Chayesh. Isn't it strange that they argue on such, you know, polar opposites? The answer is, the answer is, yeah. They argue on polar opposites, meaning they both agree that there's no Zika, and they argue about, if you hold there's no Zika, do you have to be worried about the ability to do a mitzvah? Rav Gamaliel says no, Rav Meir says yes. It's Okay, fair enough. Okay. Now the Gemara just speaks out something that's a little strange. Rav Yehuda holds um, Zika. Rav, his Rebbe, holds no Zika. So, who did Rebbe get, Rav Yehuda get his shita from? Now, if he got it from his Rebbe, Rav, that means that there's a contradiction. Again, Rav Yehuda says Zika, Rav says no Zika. Rav was Rav Yehuda's Rebbe. So you say, well, Rav, where did Rav Yehuda get his shita? We don't want to say he argues on his Rebbe. So, if you say that he got his shita from Rav, that's a contradiction. So, the Gemara, so Rav Yehuda had a second Rebbe, Shmuel. So the Gemara is going to prove that Rav Yehuda got his shita from Shmuel. Meaning, Rabbi Yehuda Shita, that there's a thing called Zika, unlike his Rebbe Rav, is because he's following his other Rebbe, Shmuel. Okay, uh, it's pretty simple. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Shita, that there's a thing called Zika, he got that from Shmuel, his other Rebbe. Ditznan, as the Mishnah says, go on the next page. Shemeris Yavam, Shekidish Achiv Esachoisa, Mishnah Rabbi Yehuda Mesera Amru, Oymele Hamten Achayas Achicha Maisa. You have a woman who's supposed to do yibum. There's three brothers, right? If you hold of zika, that means all of them are kind of engaged to her, right? What What did one of the brothers do? Let's say the oldest brother tells the other two brothers, Listen, I'm going to do yibum. I'm just on vacation. I'll be back in two weeks. I'm going to do yibum. Oldest brother, they say, fine. While he's away, one of the younger brothers gets engaged to that woman's sister. Okay? So here's the problem. Can he marry her, the one that he got engaged to? If you hold of Zika, it's a little bit of a problem because he's kind of engaged to two sisters. So what the what the Rav Yehuda Rav is, we tell that brother, wait until your older brother gets back from vacation. Let him do Yiba Mor Chalitza, rendering your Zika removed, then marry her. Right now you're only engaged. So far, no harm, no foul. You can't live with her yet because then you'll be living 
you'll be living while engaged to the other sister. The engaged is fine. It's the living that's the problem. So wait until your brother gets back. He'll do Yibam or Chalitza. Remove the Zika. Then you can uh, go through the Chuppah. Yeah? That's Rabbi Yehuda Ben Shita. This entire premise, this entire teaching is based on the premise of Zika. Right? And because there's a Zika, you're engaged to two sisters, which could be a problem. What does Shmuel say? Shmuel says meaning there's a thing called Zika. So Rabbi Yehuda, who said Zika, followed his Shita, his other Rebbe, Shmuel, who also said Zika. So far, so good. Yeah? The Gemara says, I'll prove it to you. Why? Because if Rabbi Yehuda got it from his other Rebbe, Rav, then it'll be a contradiction. Right? Again, Rabbi Yehuda says Zika. He's got two Rabbeim. Shmuel says Zika, Rav says no Zika. So who do Rabbi Yehuda get a Shita from? He obviously got it from Shmuel, who said Zika. Yeah? But he's not doing Yibam anyway. But he's obligated to. Oh, if, yeah, if but I, oh, brother, it, okay, it's a, that's an vacation, interesting point. That's an interesting... It's a good show. It's a good show. I'll have to check it up. It's a good show. Um... I'm sure, yeah, I don't know, it's a good child. So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Yehuda who says Zika, he obviously must be following Shmuel who says Zika, because if he follows Rav, who says no Zika, that would be a contradiction. Meaning, Rabbi Yehuda, where do you get a Shita from? He obviously got it from Shmuel, because if he got it from Rav, there's a contradiction in Rav. So we'd rather just say that he got it from Shmuel. It's easy. The Gemara says, Di'i de Rav, Kasha de Rav de Rav, because if Rav Yehuda got his Shita, again, Rav Yehuda is the Talmud, he got his Shita of Zika from someone, either Rav or Shmuel. Now we know Rav said no Zika. So if Rav Yehuda got it from Rav, there will be a contradiction in Rav. So it must be he got it from Shmuel, which worked out because Shmuel actually said Zika. Perfect. So the Gemara says, but Dilma, that is a strange Havamid. Dilma Amaroy Ninu, why don't we just say that he got it from Rav? I, it's a contradiction. They'll say there's two students who heard two different things from Rav. We do that all the time. So why not say that? Why not say that Rav Yehuda got his shita from Rav? I, Rav is quoted as saying there's no Zika, and Rav Yehuda says there is Zika. Maybe Rav Yehuda got it from Rav, and it's a contradiction. There's two students who had different opinions in what Rav said. We have that all the time. The answer is, The answer is, we only say there's two students who have contradictory notions from a Rebbe if there's no alternative. Over here, Rav Yehuda had two Rabbeim. He had Rav, he had Shmuel. We know Shmuel said Zika. We know Rav Yehuda said Zika. It's easier. You want to say, well, technically, it could go with the approach that really Rav Yehuda is following Rav. And there's now a contradiction in Rav. And this is, why would we do that? You have the option of going with Shmuel. So if you have the option of going with Shmuel, let's go with Shmuel. The Gemara continues. He said, I have a clear tradition of what Shmuel held, that Amr Rav Yehuda Amr Shmuel, that Rav Yehuda quoted Shmuel, meaning we have the Rav Yehuda and then we prove that it's the same Shida Shmuel, we have it, another version is just Rav Yehuda Amr Shmuel, Rav Yehuda quoted Shmuel, that said, that if a woman who you're supposed to do even with died, you're not allowed to marry her mother, because Zika tells you that you're quasi-engaged to her, and therefore her mother is your mother-in-law. Okay, and Zika. So obviously, Rav Yehuda Shmuel Shmuel holds Zika, and that's why. So now, okay, so perfect, perfect. The Gemara says, 
Now, the question is, so basically we have Shmuel saying Zika twice. We have Rav Yehuda and Shmuel quoting Zika, and Shmuel himself saying Halacha like Rav Yehuda Maseira, which is also based on Zika. So why do you need both? Tzricha, di Ashmini yesh Zika, havamina havamini b'chad, hafa betrei loi, kamashmolon. Di Ashmini Halacha like Rav Yehuda Maseira, havamina hanmechaim l'achamisa pakla zika, kamashmolon de Zika b'chadil l'paki. The reason why you need both is because if you just had one, you would say that maybe there's only Zika when there's one Yavam. Like we had this yesterday, right? One brother dies. If there's only one brother, it's very easy to say there's Zika because she has to do Yivam to that one brother. But if there's three brothers, maybe there's no Zika because how could she be engaged to three brothers? So therefore, you had to say no Zika twice to say there's Zika in every situation. And the reason why you need the other version is because if you only had one, you would say maybe there's only Zika when the person's alive. But the second they die, meaning maybe Zika... Maybe after the Yavama dies, there was another thing called Zika. Maybe Zika only exists when the woman is alive in order to motivate you to marry her, to do Yivam. But the second she dies, you can marry the mother. Kamash no. Zika exists both by one, both by two brothers, both alive, both dead. Zika is a thing. Okay. Hmm. I'll tell you. It wakes you up, except that it doesn't. Okay. Um, the, the new Mishnah... I know what you guys are saying. You're like, I want to talk more about Eishasach Shalahei Ba'elim. I'm like, well, okay, let's do it. Um, it's your lucky day. So, okay, so Eishasach Shalahei Ba'elim, we've had a lot of this already. And that is, again, you have Reuben, Shimon, and Levi. Levi and Reuben were not alive at the same time. So, oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I unmuted you. Sorry. Yeah, you know, what, what's going on? You know, after this introduction that you're going to give, I have a question. Sure. I got... No problem. So, Reuben and Levi were not alive at the same time. So because they weren't alive at the same time, Le- uh, Levi can never do Yibam on Reuben's widow. That's Eishas HaKshalei basically. Now, there, there could be two different cases. You could have Levi being born after Reuben's death, before Shimon's Yibam, or after Shimon's Yibam. I mean, Levi and Reuben were definitely not alive at the same time. But you could have Levi being born after Reuben died, before Shimon did Yibam, or after Shimon did Yibam. Now, which case is more of a problem? More of a problem is being born before Yibam took place. I'll tell you why. You have Reuven and Shimon, right? Reuven has a wife. Reuven dies. Shimon is going to do Yibam. Levi's born. Now here's the problem. Levi now looks at Reuven's widow. She didn't do Yibam yet, right? And he's like, you're my sister-in-law, but I can never marry you because me and your husband were not alive at the same time. So that's a problem. The other case which is Reuven and Shimon. Reuven dies. Shimon does Yibam. Then, then Levi's born, right? That's kind of better. Why? Because Levi never knew Reuven's widow as Reuven's widow. He always knew her as Shimon's wife. So you could see that being a little bit better. They're both cases of Eishasach Shalehei Just one is a little bit more leaning towards the more lenient side, but they're both the same premise. Reuben and Levi were never born at the same time. Levi can never marry Reuben's widow. I'm just telling you that in a scenario where Levi is born post Shimon's Yibam, it's a little bit better because he doesn't really know her as Reuben's widow. He, like from his perspective, she was always Shimon's wife. You understand? It's still, the halacha hasn't changed. But the Mishnah now repeats the entire case of Eishas HaShalei and it says there's a machlaikas, yeah? What's up? So now my question is, 
Yeah. What is the difference between this Mishnah and the first Mishnah? No. Just when... The, the only difference is that Nakuda. The only... Okay, let me explain. When, when he was born. Correct. So the first Mishnah we had, the classic case of Eishas Achshalah Ba'olam. Now, literally the Mishnah repeats itself, with the only difference being when Levi was born. Was Levi born before Shimon did Yibam or after Shimon did Yibam? Now, why is the Mishnah bringing this down? It's literally, the halacha hasn't changed. The reason is because in both scenarios, both cases, Reuben being, uh, Shimon, uh, Levi being born before Shimon's Yibam, after Shimon, both cases, the Rabbanon say, Aser. Both cases, Rav Shimon says, Mutter. Meaning Rav Shimon looks at both of these cases that Levi can marry Reuben's widow. In both cases. Why? Because as long as Reuben's widow got married to Shimon at some point, it's not Reuven's widow anymore. That's Rav Shimon Shita. Rav Shimon Shita is that Eishas actually in these two Mishnayis, you do Yibam. Levi could do Yibam on Reuven's widow because she was not Reuven's widow anymore. At some point, she becomes Shimon's wife. And Shimon and Levi were alive at the same time. I, Levi, and Reuven weren't. Reuven's out of the picture. That's, that's Rav Shimon Shita. You understand? So let's just see it inside. So the Mishnah says, Shnei Achim Umeis, you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. Meis Achim and Reuven dies. And then Shimon does Yibam. And then Noilid Lehen Levi. And then Levi's born. So Levi's born after Shimon did Yibam. So this is more of a lenient version of it because from Levi's perspective, he never knew her as Rivun's widow. He only knew her as Shimon's wife. But what's the halacha? The halacha is, you still can't do Yibam. Reuven and Levi were not alive at the same time. Still a problem. And fine. So far, exactly the same. That's a problem. Comes of Shimon, or Shimon says, Shimon says, I say that you could do Yibim to either. Meaning, this is not a case of Ashish Ashley Bailam, because Reuven and Levi, Reuven and Shimon, Levi and Shimon were alive at the same time. This is not Reuven's widow, this is Shimon's widow. And Levi can do Yibim. Now the question is, would so you have these two cases. Again, the only difference is when Levi's born. Before Yivam or after Yivam. But they're both cases. The Rabbanans say both are Aser. Rav Shimon is Mater this case. Is Rav Shimon Mater in both cases or only in one out of the two? So the Gemara speaks it out. Rav Shimon is lenient in both cases. Why? The answer is, I know Rav Shimon argues in both. I'll tell you why. This Mishnah, by the way, Right, this mission is more leaning towards the lenient case because it's where uh, Levi was born post post Yivam. And what does the Mishnah say? The Rabbanon say Aser, and Shimon says Motor. Okay, some Achlokas, yeah. Why do you need the first Mishnah? The first Mishnah, which was two Dafim ago, which is the beginning of this parak, had just Rabbanon Shita, no Shimon, it wasn't referenced there, and it was where Levi was born before Yivam. So it's more strict. If I know the Rabbanon argue in this case, they definitely argue in the previous case. So why is the Mishnah written at all? It must be, meaning, you have two Mishnahis that are mamish repeated. Only one slight variation. Why do you need the Mishnah to be written twice? It must be because they argue in both times. Meaning, if the Rabbanon, if Roshimin and the Rabbanon only argue in this Mishnah, fair, then there is zero necessity for the first Mishnah. Zero. 
Because the first Mishnah is more strict. And if Rav Shimon is only Matar over here, there's no need for this first Mishnah. It must be that both Mishnayas are necessary. Why? Because the Rabbana and Rav Shimon argue in both cases. So you need the more strict case to show you that even in that case Rav Shimon is lenient, and you need the more lenient case to show you that even in that case the Rabbana argue. I mean, the reason why you need both Mishnayas is because that's Rav Yudanasi's way of emphasizing they argue in both scenarios. Because if they only argue in one, you don't need that first Mishnah. If they just argue in this case, meaning Rav Shimon's only lenient when Levi is born post-Yibam, then you do not need the first Mishnah, which was bo- Levi born pre-Yibam. What do you need it for? If Rav Shimon doesn't argue in that case, and it's the Kuli Alma a problem, what do you need it for? To say this case, I'll understand. I mean, the reason why it's written twice is to tell you they argue in both scenarios. Okay. And the Gemara says, Bedin who... Oh, so the only problem is, if that's the case, that they argue in both scenarios, so why doesn't it say Rav Shimon Choylik in the first Mishnah? The answer is, the Gemara says, um, Really, it should say Rav Shimon's Choylik in both Mishnahis. You have to remember, Mishnahis were like said. He was letting the Rabbonin say their opinion. They said the first case, they said the second case, they said both are a problem. Then Rav Shimon said, now let me speak. So the reason why he doesn't say his machlekes in the first Mishnah is because it was a conversation. He let them say both the cases. He let them say their entire opinion, that it's a problem. And then he spoke and he says, I disagree. And he meant to disagree in both. It's interesting because it's like... Well, the Gemara already asked that. The Gemara said that while it's true, but because... Okay, it's, it's not like Roshia. No, this one. They said it was no, no, the Gemara over there, if you remember, whatever, Zion, Ches, the Gemara actually says that that Gemara does not follow Rav Oishia. This Rav Oishia was rejected. You're right. Because according to Rav Oishia, he's making a good point. According to Rav Oishia, Rav Shimon the Rabban argue in every scenario of Eishas Achshalei Ba'olam, so then it should not be in the first Mishnah, because the first Mishnah, the 15, were only universally accepted cases, which is only the sheet of... One version of Rav Yehuda, not like Rav Aisha. Okay, now the Gemara just ends with this. The Gemara says like this. Um, two, two points, and then we'll stop. Rav Shimon doesn't disagree with the notion of Eishas Achshalei He believes that that's a thing. So the question is, when is it a problem? Meaning, if, if Levi being born before Yibam, still fine. After Yibam, still fine. So then when, when, when is Eishas Achshalei a problem when for Rav Shimon? Sure. Exactly, yeah. So the, no, you ruined it. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, no. The question the, the is, when does Rav Shimon hold there's a problem? The answer is, when there's only two brothers. Meaning, Ruven, just Ruven. Ruven dies. Then Shimon's born. That's it. So, so Shimon can't marry the widow because Reuven and Shimon were not alive at the same time. Meaning, the whole reason why Shimon's okay with it is because there's a third brother. So Levi, while he wasn't alive at the same time as Reuven, he was alive at the same time as Shimon. So as long as he's alive at the same time as Shimon, he looks at Reuven's widow as Shimon's wife. Okay, but what if there's only two brothers? And one was born, and one was born after the other one died. Then you have Reuven, just one brother. Then Reuven dies. Then Levi's born. That's Ashish Hashem, according to everybody. Because Levi and Reuven were not alive, Reuven and Shimon were not alive at the same time. So, I mean, the whole reason why Shimon's chaylik is the three brothers. And he was alive, at least with one of them. But if he wasn't alive with any of them, then that would be Eishas Achshalei Ba'elam, Kuli Alma. The Gemara speaks it out, the Gemara says, El Eishas Achshalei Ba'elam, or Shimon Hechem Meshkech, so what's a problem? What's the case where it's a problem according to everybody? The answer is, Bechadach, Umeis, Venoi Lo We only have Reuven, then Reuven dies, then Shimon's born. 
So Shimon can't do Yibam. Easy. Or Inami, betray Velo Yavim Velo Yimais. Or, where you have two brothers, um, you have Reuben and Shimon, right? Reuben dies, and Shimon doesn't do Yibam, and then Levi's born. So Levi can't do Yibam on Reuben's wife. Meaning, basically, there's only been, there's no Shimon marriage in between. The whole heter of Rav Shimon is because the second brother got married to the woman, so he doesn't look at this widow as the first wa- brother's wife. There was never, yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, one last kasha. Um, okay, the Gemara says like this. Bishlami yavam vachach noilid ki eshkecha behatera eshkecha. El noilid rachach yavam my taima. Here's the kasha. We'll end with this. We're not going to get into the whole discussion because that's tomorrow's daf. I'll try to learn it today and record it before Shabbos. But here, here's the Shaila. Rav Shimon is lenient in both cases. Okay? As I said, where Levi is born post-Shimon's Yibum, it kind of makes sense. Why? Because when Levi came into the world, she was never Reuven's widow. Like, he didn't know her as Reuven's widow. He knew her as Shimon's wife. So I get it. But in this scenario where Reuven and Shimon, Reuven dies, Shimon doesn't do Yibum yet, then Levi's born. Then Shimon does Yibam. Levi still, or Shimon holds that Levi could still do Yibam. But why? Levi knows her as Reuven's widow. She post, she, she, she subsequently became Shimon's wife, but like, there was a period of time. Mm-hmm. So like, why isn't that a problem? Like, like I get, like, well, what's the shot of Rav Shimon? Why is he leaning in that case? So the answer is, Kesavar Yesh Zika, Vizika Kikunusidami. The answer is, he holds of Zika, meaning, when Reuben dies, and then Levi's born, it was never Reuben's wife. It was Shimon's wife. I, they never do Yibam. Zika. He holds, meaning Rav Shimon holds that Zika is so strong that Levi never saw her at a moment as Reuben's widow. I, she, she didn't do Yibam yet to Shimon yet? The answer is Zika. He was already Shimon's wife. So Levi never saw her as anything but Shimon's wife. Either because he was born post-Yibam, or he was born pre-Yibam, but Azika. So the Gemara is going to ask, right now we're saying that Rav Shimon holds of Zika to such an extent that it's Ki'ilu, they're married, we're going to have kashas on this. Let's stop here. Then you can say there's a Zika to Levi because he's, she's not married to the Shimon yet. Speak- it's even better. Anyway, speaking of... Uh, even better. I guess I, it's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. By the way, there's, uh, for the record, there's in, in the Ramban... Recording stopped. I, the Ramban...